You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Sped Prep Academy podcast. This is episode 44, and I'm your host, Jennifer, and I've been teaching special education for 26 years. And while teaching children with special needs is my passion, I've also developed a love for teaching teachers as well. My goal for this podcast is to provide you with timely and applicable information that you can immediately put into action within your own classroom, department, or program. These weekly mini doses of professional development are perfect for the busy teacher who needs just a little boost of motivation to stay in the trenches week after week. I know the mental and physical toll of being a special educator, and I want nothing more than to support you through it. If this is your first time here, welcome. I am so glad you found me. The podcast is released every Wednesday morning, so make sure you hit subscribe so you can get your weekly reminder. And if this isn't your first time here, welcome back. I would love it if you would review the show and give me some feedback. Apparently, iTunes loves it when the show gets reviews because it starts to send it out to more and more teachers, and I want to help as many special educators as I can. Today's topic is something that I feel has helped me significantly when it comes to having a long and successful career as a special education teacher. We hear so often about the burnout rate and how hard being a special educator is, but we rarely hear about the things that teachers do intentionally to keep them going day after day, week after week, and year after year. Now, I hit on this topic in episode 37, so you can tell that it is definitely something that I think is highly important, and that is reflection. Reflection is a core component of effective continuing professional development, and it is a key to becoming a skilled teacher. I'm a sucker for a good quote, and one that I like and aspire to is, we do not learn from experience, we learn from reflecting on experience. John Dewey. Meaning a teacher's ability to reflect on what, why, and how they do the things they do, and to adapt and develop their excellence in teaching is the one quality above all that makes a great teacher. Today's guest is Jenny Walmsley from Little Learners Big Feelings, and we dig in a little deeper into this whole reflection piece of the puzzle, and Jenny gives us a breakdown of the questions to ask yourself when reflecting, and then what to do with that information after you have it. Hey there, Jenny. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am really excited to be here. Well, when I asked what you would like to chat with us about, you mentioned reflecting on a school year over the summer break. And I loved this idea because I am a very reflective person, both in and out of the classroom. I've done a podcast episode about reflection, you know, earlier this year, and I'll link that in the show notes. But I also teach at the college level, and I push really hard for my students to learn to be reflective teachers themselves. And I I want to teach them the power that reflecting can give them. So I'm excited to dive into this a little bit deeper. But before we get started, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your educational background is? Sure. So I am currently a K-5 to emotional support teacher. So I teach a special education classroom. Uh, I have students anywhere from grades kindergarten to fifth grade. This past year, I just so happened to have second to fourth, but it can be anywhere there. Prior to emotional support, I taught learning support in every grade from kindergarten to sixth grade in pull-out, co-taught, and self-contained settings. So I've 
I've been kind of across the gamut when it comes to special ed, but I love what I do now in behavior. I'm pursuing a master's in applied behavior analysis. And uh, yeah, I just I just love the tough kids. <laughs> I think we need to have a totally another episode with you talking about that because I think that is so needed. I think those, you know, behavior teachers are needed for us who are not as strong in behavior. And it's, you know, there's it's two totally different worlds. And so I think that I wish everyone had a place where, you know, they had a teacher that wanted to do exactly what you're doing. So I, I applaud you for that. Oh, thank you. And, you know, looping it back to this topic of reflection, I think being a reflective teacher is what allows me to be successful with behaviors. Like at the end of every day, I think, oh, that day did not go well <laughs> or or that day did go well. And, and so it, it definitely all connects for sure. But I would love to come back again. <laughs> Okay. So when we talk about reflection, we're basically providing ourselves with a strategy to maintain our curiosity and to develop habits of inquiry for the purpose of professional and personal growth. So Jenny, what exactly is self-reflection to you? How would you define it? Well, I really like that you use the words curiosity and inquiry, because when I think reflection, I think asking myself questions asking myself what went well, what didn't go well. If this were to happen again, what would I do the same? What would I do different? And then creating what I always call action steps. So look at what happened and then creating action steps to learn from it and improve from it going forward. Those are great questions. And I'd like to add one more is the why. Mm -hmm. Why did I teach this lesson? Why did a teacher get upset with me? Why did the child have you know, the behavior that they had. So I think that asking all those questions lets us to get, lets us get really deep in our thought processes. Absolutely. And almost like the concept of WH questions, like who was involved? Where did it happen? How did it happen? Why did it happen? I like that you brought that up for sure. So what is the importance of being a reflective teacher? So I think it's multi-faceted. Um, in this way, because one, as teachers, we're always modeling for our own students, whether we're teaching at the college level, teaching high school, elementary, preschool, whatever it is, we want to model that curiosity and inquiry. And the easiest way to model it is to have it infiltrated in our own practice. So both learning and that idea of a growth mindset, knowing that it's okay to make mistakes <laughs> and it's okay to learn from and move forward from those mistakes. So that to me is one of the first purposes of it. But another thing that's important about it is just keeping us sharp as teachers, making sure that we're not following into those patterns or habits of just going with the flow or sticking with the norm, always wanting to grow and better ourselves so that we can better our students, better the field of education. Well, growth mindset has been such a buzzword, you know, in the last couple of years in the world of education. And there's a reason it is. And it's, you know, having that right frame of mind helps you determine how you want to respond to the world. And it helps you focus on the effort that you put into achieving your goals. So why do you think that it's it's so much more important after this year, after the the year, you know, the crazy year that we just had? Why do you think it's more important to reflect after a year like we just had? 
So I don't know about you, but for me, there was a lot of new this year. There was a lot of tackling things I had never tackled before, a lot of encountering situations that had never occurred, especially in the world of technology. I mean, I am a younger teacher. I have grown up in the technology age, but even so, there were things that I was trying for the first time and stretching myself. And I think that's true across the board for every teacher. We were kind of thrown into this sink or swim technology world due to virtual learning and things like that. Now, with so much new, we can choose to either leave it all behind and just say, okay, that was what it was. Or we can look at it with a reflective lens and say, well, this was actually something that went better this year. This is something I might carry into the future with me. Or this was something that was really ineffective from this year, and it's something I'm going to do my best to not do again. Um, This year really opened us up to a lot of possibilities. And I think if we were to just sit with those and the experiences that we had with all of it, There's a lot to be learned from it, and I think it's important to use this year that we had to move forward in better education as we move into hopefully returning to in-person learning, continuing virtual learning, whatever it looks like. Um, Just learning from what we did this past year, I think, is a really, really important piece to kind of make the most of a not-so-great situation. I think two things stand out there is we didn't know what our kids were going to be strong at going into this, and there's some there's some students that really kind of thrived in in that situation, you know, being online. And that was the kind of atmosphere and situation that was best for them that we never would have realized had we not had this experience, I guess you can call it. But then we also learned that, you know, just on the other hand, that this is not the right thing for every child. You know, there are those kids that need to be in person. And so I think reflecting on that, reflecting on the the way that we provide instruction to students is important. But also I was, I totally agree with you that, you know, as rough as this past year was, it definitely gave us some things to think about, but we don't have to go back to the way that it was before COVID. And there are changes that we had to make because, you know, we couldn't be in large groups or, you know, be near each other, but some of those changes have helped us and they're actually more productive and more forward thinking than, than what we were used to. Right. And I specifically think even beyond the technology with my population of students, I was kind of forced to set some different boundaries than I normally do. And I was incredibly surprised at how my students responded so well to it. Like they really responded well to stay in your own space, keep your mask on if it's not a mask break and those kinds of things. And it really surprised me over how resilient these kids really are. Exactly. Well, back in episode 37, I talked about five tips to being a more reflective teacher. And I I stated that my favorite, which is just intentionally carving out time in my day to do mindful processing of the events of the day. And that's helped me get through 26 years of teaching. You know, I have a car ride home every day, 20 miles. And so I have that time to to turn off the music, to turn off podcasts, to turn off everything and just think about what happened during the day and to reflect on the positives and the negatives and the strengths and the weaknesses and the conversations that I had. So how do you reflect and what are the different options that you see for different teachers? So one of the biggest things that I do personally is I'm really into journaling. So I have a journal that I actually keep in my classroom 
And at the end of each day, when I kind of cross off my to-do list, crumple it up, throw it in the trash, um, the next thing I do is I sit down with that journal. I always start with um, you know, I, I see behind you as we're recording, start each day with a grateful heart. I end mm-hmm. each day with a grateful heart. So the, one of the first things I always reflect on in that journaling time is what went well that day? What made me smile? What's something I'm grateful for, proud of my students for? What's a positive? I call them a little victory. Um, so then I kind of... I pick my little victory for the day. Then I do sort of a brain dump, especially if it was a stressful day, just kind of get everything out of my head. But then I walk through those questions of what went well, what didn't go well, what will I do differently next time? Um, So really the strengths and weaknesses and then those action steps. Now, action steps for me and in my journaling practice can can be anything. It can be talk to my principal about a situation. It can be find a new resource or create a new visual for a student who had a difficult day. It might be um, reading a book on specific interventions or attending a professional development. It could be any of those kinds of things, but it all stems from those action steps coming from the actual practice in the classroom. I like those tips. I am not a journaler. I like to write. I like to, you know, express myself creatively through writing, but I cannot sit down and force myself to journal. So I like that you do that because that is one of the tips that I gave in that podcast was journaling. And so I'm glad to actually know somebody that does it. (laughs) So have you ever taken action? You just said you have action statements, but have you ever taken, you know, big action on something that you have reflected on? Like, changing schools or taking on new responsibilities or, you know, changed your mindset about something? Yeah. So I kind of have two of the biggest changes I think have come from this reflection process. And the biggest one would be moving to emotional support. Like I said, I taught learning support previously and learning support was just never, it was never fulfilling for me. Like, I was fine at it. I enjoyed my coworkers. I loved the students, but it what it didn't spark my passion. It didn't light you and up. Exactly, exactly. It didn't light my fire. And so I remember through the process of reflection, it led me to start a conversation with my principal. And I thought, okay, what are the things that I do like about my current position? What are the things I don't like about my current position? And I landed on I don't like being pulled in a million directions. I was co-teaching at the time and had four different co-teachers. But I do really like working with students with challenging behaviors. I'd been on our district safety care team for a while. And, you know, some people dread those like crisis calls. But I was like itching for them, you know. And so in that process of recognizing those things and recognizing those strengths and weaknesses in myself, is what led me to pursue my current position. It's with the same district, but it was in a different school and a very different position. And I I fell in love. (laughs) And I don't think if I had been as reflective of a person as I am, that I would have found a career that I love as much as I do as young as I am right now. And then another one that was kind of big for me is I'll be the first to admit that I'm a procrastinator when it comes to like the paperwork side of special education. It can be a beast sometimes. And so I looked back at this school year and just noticing how looking back in my journal, so often I was saying, I'm overwhelmed about this. I'm overwhelmed about this deadline coming up or um, fitting in this 
achievement testing or whatever it might be. So I've taken some time this summer to sit down, look back at some of those journals, what worked, what didn't, and set some action steps and made actually um, what I call productivity pages. They're almost like work lists or to-do lists to streamline that process for me so that it's easier going forward. I can't make it go away. It's still part of my job, but can I use reflection to make it easier for me next year? That, that's my goal with that. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I'm good at my job, but that organization piece, you know, I have to have checklists. I have to have accountability for myself. So I saw that you're going to be teaching on Teach It Special, and that's something that I wish I would have known about sooner. I, w- I love <laughs> to provide professional development, but even though I'm not involved in it, tell us about it and tell you know, what you're teaching on and how people can find this professional development because professional development for special educators by special educators is the best thing ever. So tell us how you can or how we can find out more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And really, that idea of um, professional development for special educators by special educators is what birthed Teach It Special uh, probably about a year ago. This will be the third Teach It Special. It's in July, I believe July 26th. You can find us on Instagram at teach.it.special. You could also find it on my Instagram, which is littlelearners.bigfeelings. There's a link in my bio that'll take you there as well. But essentially, there's a group. I don't even know how many of us are involved at this point. But there are live sessions. There are mini sessions that are presented by teachers on a variety of topics. Um, Using paraprofessionals, how to create your own teaching resources using PowerPoint and things like that. Um, My particular session, I'll be talking more about that changing jobs that I referenced earlier and the process of reflecting on if you're not feeling fulfilled where you are right now, how to decide what your next steps are and kind of create those action steps. But we're talking about the types of um, special education positions that are out there. We're talking about how to weigh the pros and cons and, you know, do you need to change districts because you're having difficulty with the district that you're in or do you need to change positions because you're just not loving what you're doing day in, day out and those types of things. So um, my topic is called... Changing Jobs, Finding Where You Fit in SPED. It is one of their mini sessions, meaning it's pre-recorded. And there are also live sessions that are live on that day. But regardless of the session, all of them are accessible from that July 26th date until September 26th. So you can watch any of them whenever you want to, whenever you need to. And there's a lot of us that are providing some really great uh, like PDF resources to go along with our sessions as well. Wow, that's that's awesome. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. And I'm definitely gonna have to, you know, see about, you know, being a presenter on there for next year. Absolutely. Well, Jenny, it has been such a pleasure talking with you and hitting this topic again. I'm sure my college students, you know, probably get sick of hearing me talk about how important reflection is, but it is truly something that I believe in. And I feel it can be so powerful in our role as special educators. So thank you for coming on and for sharing your insight. Of course. And I'm glad we got to do it over the summer as well when we actually have the time to sit down and reflect on all these things. Exactly. Well, let us know where we can find you and learn more from you. 
Sure. So I do have a blog. It's littlelearnersbigfeelings.weebly.com. I'm not on there a whole lot, but hopefully more coming up. Where I'm most active would be on Instagram, which is littlelearners.bigfeelings, where I share tips, tricks, behind the scenes. Really, my goal there is to connect with other teachers and um, relate over the challenges that we have, particularly around behavior, but around special ed as a whole. And kind of like you said, provide a space where even if you don't have somebody in your district or directly around you that can provide some of those insights to behaviors, my DMs are always open and I love helping people out in that way. Well, that's exactly how I connected with you is through Instagram. I love watching your reels. They make me laugh. (laughs) Thanks. They make me laugh too. I'm just glad other people laugh along. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. I have a quick question before I sign off. Well, a couple of questions, actually. Do you supervise paraprofessionals? And if so, do you know what your strengths and weaknesses are as a leader? Well, I have a way for you to find that out. I have a way for you to unlock your superpowers that you never knew you possessed and discover the kryptonite that's been holding you back from becoming an amazing special educator. It's my What's Your Special Educator Superpower Quiz, and it's a short little quiz that will only take a minute or two of your time, and it will give you clarity on how you manage your staff so that you can become a stronger leader. Just go to spadprepacademy.com slash quiz. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want nothing more than to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.